Well, hello, everybody. Uh, I, I, we, we do this every week, but I need to still do it. We're, we're a church that's all over the place, so hello to those of you online, whatever device you're watching on, or TV, or whatever. East, hello. Uh, I've got a group with me in, in person, which is always nice, because preaching to no one in the room is one of the weirdest things I've ever done in, in my life. Uh, so I'm glad to do that. Uh, also, for, if you're brand new, uh, I hope that you feel welcome. Uh, I know we live in a, in a kind of a cultural environment right now where you're not sure if you're welcome based on, well, lots of things. Can I wear a mask? Should I wear a mask? Is a mask bad? Is that, uh, so yeah, I'm going there right now. Uh, what do I think about such and such? And so I just want you to right now, all we want to do is hear from God right now. So whatever is on your mind, whatever, whatever has pushed you and pressed on you, I hope that you'll be open to just hear from, from God. That's what we wanna land right now. So we started a series called uh, Merry-Go-Round because one, I loved that as a kid, uh, the Merry-Go-Round. If you don't know what the Merry-Go-Round uh, is or was, because it's kind of a was thing, there was this uh, thing on a playground that we would spend people on and, and the goal for people like myself, which I think we're now classified as bullies, sorry, uh, didn't know that at the time, but we would trap kids on the merry-go-round and, and spin them as fast as possible to make them sick or make them jump off. It was, ho- it was, it was fun for us, horrible for them, started lots of fights. And, and well, if you look at any studies now, uh, lawsuits began to happen probably because of kids like myself, and merry-go-rounds began to get eliminated from playgrounds. You don't see them nearly like you used to. They used to be a staple, now it's just it means it's an old playground uh, is usually what that means. There aren't as many merry-go-rounds, but we would conclude this is that there are merry-go-rounds in life that do still have you stuck on them. They just don't look like a metal circle apparatus. It's like when someone hurts you and you're like, why do I keep thinking about that hurt today? And then the next day comes, and you're like, I'm still thinking about that hurt, and, and you sometimes will find yourself stuck on something that happened to you or, or around you, and you're like, how do I stop this? The first week, we talked about comparison. When you live a life that you're constantly comparing all over the place, how do you line up with, look like, well, all that kind of other stuff, and, and we begin to find that to be just this, I'm stuck. Uh, some of us feel like we have to be everything to everyone, I expected a parent to say amen. Maybe you did online. Uh, you know, there's these, these pressures, like I have to be everything to everyone all the time, and that is a, a major merry-go-round that we'll talk about. In fact, my wife will talk about it. That'll be a fun week. I wanna talk about one that I think we all can say, yep, I've been on that merry-go-round, and I'm not quite sure how to get off of it. Fear. I think fear. You probably have something right now that you are um, hesitant to engage. You might not say I'm afraid, but you probably are afraid. There's some reservations because maybe it's a conversation that you're going, I think I should, I should have that conversation. No, I don't know, because they might say such and such, and, and a fear is there, and you might go, ah, I'm not sure. Sometimes they're healthy fears, sometimes they're not. Sometimes you're afraid of a, of a spider or a snake, I'm talking a little bit about more of the fears that will keep you from doing what God wants you to do. The fears that have you so stuck that 
you may not be living the life you're supposed to. You might actually be compromising the will of God in your life. So uh, we're gonna look at fear, and I want, I want to give you an idea, a, a picture. Uh, a lot of time was spent on this, so I hope that you really appreciate this. It's beautiful. I want you to have a mental picture, and there are a lot of mental pictures I could give you with fear on the internet. I chose not to. You're welcome for that. Let's do this. Let's all learn from God with this in our mind, that you might not be able to see anything on the other side of what you've got in life because you have a fear that's constantly dominating your, your perspective. You wake up to it, you dream about it, you think about it, you talk to people about it. It's what you see and it's almost entirely what you see and feel. This is the mental picture, as beautiful as it is, that I want you to have locked in as I read and tell you a story in the Bible that you may have never heard before. So, for those of you who like to have Bibles to double check me, which I love that, you can go to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter six, and I'm gonna read to you, this is awesome, okay? Prepare yourself. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, at war with Israel, so now you know what's going on. He would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces. I'm trying to say it in tents. At such and such a place, which sounds weird in the Bible. At such and such, who, that's, it's in the Bible. We, at such and such a place. We will, we will go to the such and such place. But immediately, Elisha, which if you don't know the details, he's for Israel, not for the other guy. Immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place. The Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. So you, hopefully you got the picture, right? You've got opposing people but somehow the bad guys, that's what we're gonna call them, their plans keep getting found out and it's slightly frustrating to them. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He, he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? He immediately thought, I have a traitor amongst me because this is, this, no one should know this stuff. Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us. That's how they said it. It's not us. Just want you to know. It's not us, the Lord, my king, my Lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Uh-oh. I mean, so go and find out where he is. <laughs> the king commanded so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. I hope you have a picture of this. I can give you a more of a geographical picture. Where they find Elisha is in a, a remote town. It's not a, a metropolis. It's not a, it's not a, a massive place. And, and Elisha is actually uh, not with a lot of security guards, okay? 
He, he doesn't have like a crew with him that's like, you know, bring it, okay? It's, it's he and his servant is basically all he's got. So I want you to picture, because what happens is awesome. I, I, I gotta give you a visual. You, we, so you've got the servant who wakes up in the morning. He's coming out. It's all groggy. He's like, oh, man. drinking his pour over coffee probably he made in the tent. <laughs> he's like, just look, he's, he's gotta get up early. He's the guy who's gotta prep breakfast and everything, right? And he's, and has this moment going, oh no. Because if you're reading the Bible, here's what he wakes up to. He goes out of the tent, wakes up to literally being completely surrounded by the enemy army. They have, they, they have surround, not, it's not like, oh, they're way far off, I wonder who that is. They have surrounded him. There, there is no defense. What he knows is that the Israel army is in Samaria, not close. What he also knows is we have no way to defend ourselves. And so the Bible says it very eloquently, but I think you and I have to say, I bet he was screaming like a baby. Because what happens is he goes back in and he goes to get Elisha because that's all he's got. So it's like, if we're going to die, I'm going to die with my buddy. So, so he goes in and gets Elisha, comes out, says, look what's going on, basically. Freaking out. I mean, Fear's interesting, especially when you have no solution to it. So um, Elisha <clears throat> says this, don't be afraid. Thanks. Do you ever have someone say to you, like you kind of spill your guts to them, like man, I've got this big dot, 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 dot. I am freaking out. And then you have someone look at you and be like, hey, you don't need to be afraid. Oh, thanks, I, I'm good now. <laughs> no, most of us do not have that kind of resolution to a real fear. Uh, now, I'm telling you, I can say that to you because I use this all the time as a parent and I don't know why I can't stop. Uh, Hayden, our, our oldest, recently uh, took his driving test and Oh, if you want to see a nervous teenager, see him the day that they're about to take their test. And so nervous, so afraid. And I'm like, what do I say to my, to my young man of a son, right? And, I, and he's like, I said, how are you doing? He's like, I'm afraid. I'm like, man, you don't need to be afraid. <laughs> that's, what, that's what came out of my mouth. I, 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 I had good intentions, but like, that's all that spilled out. You don't, you don't need to be. And, and like anyone else, that did not affect him. He's like, I still am. <laughs> uh, my daughter, uh, not too long ago, went to a camp, and uh, she thought a friend was going with her to camp, and apparently, to my daughter, that was really important at camp. You gotta be with your friend. You gotta have like, that person with you, and, and found out that, that person wasn't actually gonna go to camp, and so all of a sudden, we're there to drop her off, no friend, and I saw this fear. I go over her, and I'm like, oh no. Sweetie, you don't need to be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's gonna be fine. And I, and I saw it like, that advice doesn't seem to be landing. Like I, I, want, I want the fear to go away. And so all I'm trying to point out is many times we think the answer is don't be afraid. I'm like, well, I must not be a good Christian because there's places in the Bible that said God said don't be afraid. So I guess I'm not supposed to be afraid, which means fear must be a sin and I must be weak. That's what I'm trying to bring up. 
Many of the times we think that if, we're, if, we're, if we have a fear, if we experience it, like we, we have like an issue. And not always. However, Elisha doesn't just stop at saying, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. I'm not sure it still helped the guy. Based on what I'm reading, he's like, what? I think at the beginning, it's a, it's a, it's a launch to, hey, don't be afraid. God is here. And it's like, that's good, good intentions. It's good wisdom. It's very true. And, and, and you should say that. I'm not suggesting you don't ever say this. I'm suggesting that our minds go to a place that I actually want to bring up. Because when we deal with fear, what's really going on internally when you're legitimately afraid of something and you do believe in God? If you believe in God, you're like, I have resolved that God is real. However, I am afraid. I wonder if you think something I have thought. It's the question. Here. I know God can do something, but will he? I think in the midst of the fear, it's not like, is God strong enough? Is God big enough? Um, is God capable? Me personally, and I think it might be relevant to you, is it's, I know he can do something. I just don't know if he will. And so I'm afraid. To be very open, it's, it's, it's like, I know God is big and powerful, but is he gonna walk with me through this? Uh, I know God is amazing. I hear the stories, but is he gonna be amazing like in my life, in this particular issue? I think we wrestle with that. Where maybe you've sat getting your chemo treatment, and as you sat there, you're wondering, I know God can, Is he with me right now? If you've ever experienced the pain of a, of a broken relationship, we're like, I know, I know God sees this, but is he, is he gonna help? Is he gonna walk through? I think that's the true fear that we wrestle with. So what I can do is I can give you uh, uh, anchor points that in the midst of a, of a trial, a problem, an issue, a difficult, something that you're wrestling with, it's causing this fear, and you're going, okay, first step, first question, where's God right now, right? I think that's what we think and wonder. Let me, let me take you to scripture, it teaches. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, be sure of this. I am with you always. I am with you always. I think this is more crucial than we give it credit for. That whenever you feel afraid and you don't know what the other side looks like, that some of the things that begins to help you deal with the fear is who is with you. It's why when my kids are afraid, they typically will come to mom or I. Because it's about who's with you. I am with you always even to the end of the age. Uh, one of my personal favorites is, is, is this. Let me show you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let me help you understand this, because this is important. Uh, he's not offering this 
and then gonna run from you. <laughs> when he says, like, come to me, for those of you who are weary and that you have burdens, come to me, he's saying that I'm gonna be with you, I am with you, let's walk this together. Now what's interesting is this, is if you read this correctly, come to me all who are weary, 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 you got that, weary, weary and burdened, and I will deal with your weariness. What he, what he doesn't say there is, come to me if you have a fear and a problem, and I will eradicate it, and you will never have to have a problem again. He does not say that there. He says, if you have a problem and you are grossly afraid, terrified, not sure what to do, come to me and I will walk with you and help you rest, but you will have to wrestle with this. See, many times we think the way to fight fear is to eliminate the fear. So, question for you, uh, to get into your business, uh, are your fears an attempt to avoid difficult. If you're unwilling to answer them, I'm gonna say for me, yes, very much so. That many of my fears are actually me just not wanting to have a difficult day. Not wanting to have a difficult conversation. Not wanting to have a difficult circumstance. Not wanting to have a difficult issue. Not wanting to fight a fight. And so many times that my fears are actually rooted in, I just don't want to do that. And we begin to build our issues that create the fears that uh, are pretty crazy. Let me take you into some, some quick, quick stories and stats. Uh, there, there was a study done by the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, 29 patients who dealt with anxiety disorder. They gave them an assignment, very simple assignment, uh, for 10 days, they had to write down uh, whatever uh, they were afraid of. After they wrote down all of, all of their fears for 10 days, think of all the fears you could write down in 10 days. After the 10 days, for the next 30 days after that, they had to write down when any of those fears came true. Here's what happened. 91% of their fears never came true. Sure, it's a study of just 29 people but what if it's also relevant to you and I? What if you and I would say, let's even back off the number. Let's, let's be so conservative that we might even be wrong there. Let's say, let's just say half of the fears that we have are unnecessary fears. Uh, I was in college and had a fear of public speaking. The problem with that is, as you are noticing right now, if you're going to be a pastor, there's some public speaking typically involved in that thing. So what I tried to do, because I was a little wormy in the sense of going, how can I be a pastor and never have to preach? So, so I, was, I moved around, I was like, and I had heard about, they, some churches would hire counseling pastors, and so I could be a counselor at a church and do what God wanted me to do without doing what God wanted me to do, because I was afraid to talk with people. So I went to the counseling department, little did I know, the head of that department was friends with my parents, so it didn't go well. She basically told me to shut up and go back to my classes because she knew I was called to be a pastor and that I was simply wrestling with a fear. I successfully graduated college only preaching, I think about twice, you're supposed to do it more than that just so you know. I ran from being a pastor because I was afraid of public speaking. Let me get more personal with you. As a pastor, I have it, and I, I believe it is, is a cherished privilege that I have. 
I, I walk with people in the midst of some very dark times. When people are going through pain that I don't even want to describe to you right now. And it is a privilege, I, I count it as a privilege to walk with folks as we go through this. One particular season though, house visit after house visit, hospice visit after hospice visit, cancer, 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 cancer. It literally felt like everyone that I was meeting with was wrestling with cancer. It resurfaced some stuff. My mom has walked through battling cancer. She's battling it right now. What I began to wrestle with was, well, what if I get cancer? I had seen the effects of it on people, and I began to be afraid of it. Little did I know it wouldn't be long before the doctor would need me to have something checked out on my skin. And I remember sitting in the, in the lobby of the doctor's office awaiting the appointment that would tell me if I had cancer. And I was not thinking like I should have been thinking. I was enveloped by my fear. I would imagine you might have times you wrestle with fear. So let me take you to how God pulled me out of it. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and I had to personalize it. My grace is sufficient for you, David, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, my power needs your problem. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You have to deal with this if you want to deal with your fears and get off that merry-go-round. So here's the lesson. It's very pastory. I'm sorry. My problems are an opportunity to see God's power. What you are currently afraid of Whatever it is, it could be an opportunity that God is hoping to walk with you through so that he is glorified. Most of our prayers are like, get it out, get it, get it away. And God's like, no, I want to use this. I want you to see how good I am. So I'll take you back to the story uh, after his servant's kind of freaking out. Uh, then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, Open his eyes, talking about the servant, and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, the servant's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. If you're like, what does that say? It says what you think it says. Angels. A supernatural army that the servant never saw until now. What do you do with this? Have a new prayer, here's what it is. Ask God to help you see. If you have a fear right now that you're wrestling with and you're like, I wanna get off of this, this wheel that's just spinning, how do I get off of this? I think you lean into God and say, God, would you help me see what you see? Would you help me see uh, eternity in the midst of this? Would you help me see heaven in the midst of this? Would you help me see what I need to see because I'm not seeing it and I think you have to ask God because we have to understand as Christians, if you're a Christian, that you're not just a positive thinker. You don't just get out of fear by positive thinking. You need God, you need the supernatural. So let me take you back to uh, great art. Uh, this is again, very memorable for you and I. If you ask God to see, I don't think necessarily he gets rid of the fear entirely. 
I think he grows you up a little bit unless you have a different perspective. Something to think about. So, go back to the story. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, because they're coming, Elisha prayed another prayer. Oh, Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. (laughs) I mean, you're like, will God do that for my problem? Can I give you the truth? I don't know. You might have to wrestle something. You might not. Uh, I suggest that you dive into the story and see what happens because it's crazy. Uh, God intervenes. Elisha literally goes and addresses the army who is now blind in some way but able to see some things, leads them. He goes, hey, you guys are in the wrong place, uh, but I'll take you to the right place. Elisha leads them all the way to Samaria where the Israel army happens to be and says, hey, here you go. Now you're in the right place. I'm out. It's cool. You gotta go read it. So let me address what is your problem. Fear isn't the main problem. It's trust. If you want to win against fear, it's a trust issue. Elisha, you see in the story, had this trust in God that I think you and I both crave and want. So here's your routine decision of authority. Heavenly Father, earthly fear. Choose Heavenly Father over your earthly fear over, 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 over all the time. Let me prompt this. Um, I'm gonna pray for you, but my prayer is, and I hope this doesn't seem mean to you, I apologize. Uh, I'm not gonna necessarily, I'm not gonna pray that your fear is, is vanquished. I'm gonna pray for you that, that you would actually choose Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Father, all the time. Look to Him, ask Him to help. That's what I'm gonna pray. God, would you intervene in our lives? Lord, I I am willing to put a lot, a lot of stock in that all of us have some sort of a fear right now. And none of us want to be stuck with it. Lord, would you help us grow and see what we need to see? I pray that for everyone right now in fear of whatever it is. Lord, would you help us see what we should see? Not what we think we see not what the numbers say, not what the people say, but what you know is true. Help us to see it and to trust you. We pray this in your name. Amen.